Welcome to Cinebabble episode 51. I am your host, Ken, and as always, my co-host, Clint, fresh off of battling charges of embezzlement. How are you doing today, Clint? <laughs> I've been fighting on tooth and nail to get yeah, over yeah. those, and I think I'm succeeding. You yeah. finally got one over on the FBI. <laughs> Just officially red flagged you. Did you doubt you. me? Yes, I did. Uh-huh. I did. I didn't think There's you were no going to pull through this one. Wow. Um, they're not going to take me down that easy. No, I didn't think so. I mean, your company was pretty upset, but what are you going to do? I mean, as long as I'm okay, it doesn't matter. I, I agree. Yeah. I agree. They can just bite the bullet on that one, and I'll just mm-hmm. sail off to the Car- Caribbean. It's okay, because I trust you with my money. So, uh, you know. <laughs> you really <laughs> shouldn't. <laughs> you handle all those Cinebabble <laughs> funds. Hey, speaking of, yeah. uh, you know what? Let's let's be a little shameless, which I know you love doing, so I'll just do it. What if, Clint? Yeah. And, and this got me thinking, because uh, I couldn't let it go the other week when I said, uh, pay it forward, and you had the audacity... <laughs> audacity to attach the name Kevin Spacey to me. And uh, I just, I've spent the last week being offended. I should have mentioned Haley Joel Osment. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but if you were Whoa. listening to this, <laughs> oh, I wanted to wake everybody up. If you're listening to this, you know what? Tell somebody about Cinebabble and get them to listen too. Because uh, more listeners, always fun. So uh, yeah, you can go to the Batman one and hear a there you go pointless Batman uh, sixty synth version of the. So yeah, it was it was beautiful. I did that just for you, but nothing about Batman was pointless. No, uh, that's so. True. Uh, yeah, if you're listening to this, I don't know, get somebody else to listen to, and we're gonna know if you do because we'll see our numbers going up, and uh, we're gonna know if you don't. Um, and you know, slackers just you know keep sucking this up for free without giving anything back. Yeah, and we'll, we'll, we'll know you aren't because we're watching you like through <laughs> cameras and means yeah. of the internet. And yeah. well, Clint has charges on that coming soon too. So I'll get over those ones too. Yeah, I'm sure you will. So Clint, what you've been watching about this week? Watching, watching about. I um actually. Surprisingly, stayed on theme with some of the movies we watched. I didn't okay. mean to, but I was definitely in. There's a theme to the three movies we watched because <laughs> definitely. Well, there's kind of like uh, indie vibe oh, okay. to all of them, I gotcha. I, I, and I gotcha. there's like you know lower budget like art mm-hmm. house kind of feel. Okay. So I watched um, the first thing I watched was this movie called After Yang, mm. and it's on Showtime. Yeah. Um, Direct, I watched the trailer for this. Directed by uh, Koganda. Koganda. It's, his, it's a pseudonym. He's a South Korean-born, um, American-born filmmaker. He's done a couple other things. Um, and it's got Colin Farrell. And it's basically about this family, and it's set kind of in the near future. And they have an android that's kind of the caretaker for the, the daughter, and it starts malfunctioning. So in the process of trying to get it fixed— um, Colin Farrell, who plays Jake, he kind of is, he's investigating this robot and like trying to get him fixed, but also in the process kind of learning about his family and how he's in this time period detached himself and how he's trying to kind of reconnect with his family. But it's like, it's really beautifully done. And okay. I really enjoyed it. It's a it. movie, not a series. It's a movie. Yeah. And it, it's probably like a 90 minute movie. Okay. Um, but it's really beautifully done. And like, it really plays into the idea of like, what is consciousness and existence and what is after um, life and and 
what like what is going to happen to us and if this is all that there is um like are our memories enough and mm-hmm. there's a lot of just depth to it even though it's a very quiet like somber movie but it just really like digs into a lot of themes in a really interesting subtle way i really enjoyed it and i'm assuming colin farrow is not in his penguin makeup <laughs> Really? Just, the rest of his career, he's but going to slap those prosthetics on. It was kind of scene to scene. So you, you know. could tell like that day he was also working on Batman and he would just kind of okay. jump into sure. yeah, do this movie. And he right. just didn't have time to take it off. Whatever's convenient for him. But I it think wasn't, that's what's important. It wasn't that distracting. Okay. That's good. But I highly recommend this one. I, it's a really nice yeah, it's on my subtle, list. I'm looking forward to watching it. It kind of feels like a really um one of the artfully, really artfully done um, Black Mirror episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's really cool. Okay. Um, another one I watched was this, another, it's Norwegian film, kind of playing into our talk that we're going to have about um, another round. Uh, but it's called The Worst Person in the World. Heard of this as well. Yes, this was on a bunch of best of lists. Mm-hmm. Um, directed by... Joachim Trier, he was a Norwegian um, writer and director. He did a movie called, well, this is part of a trilogy he did that's the Olga, um, Oslo trilogy. So it's where this takes place. And um, he did a movie from 2017 called Thelma that it was on Hulu for a while. And it was one I always passed by and like the Hmm. cover looked interesting, but I, I just haven't got around to that one. Is it a loosely connected trilogy, more like a thematic trilogy, or is it an actual? No, it's like a thematic. Like they all take place, okay. and they're not. Yeah, I they're not so. connected. They're, and I think they're wildly different, like s- subject matter and st- okay. and style. And um, but it basically is kind of the Danish Francis Haw. Did you ever see Francis mm-hmm. Haw? It oh, ha- yes. had a very similar feel to that, where it's just this woman's life, like the and it takes place over four years of her life, and it's just about her and her relationships with men and like trying to figure out what she wants to do with her mm-hmm. life. Um and it's it's just like it has a perfect mix of kind of surrealist dreamlike sequences mixed with really um very like fly on the wall moments, almost where there's a, there's a sequence in it where she goes and kind of crashes this wedding party, and she's been having troubles at, with her um, her uh, boyfriend, and she meets this guy, and they're kind of like flirt, they're flirting, but they're also like playing, like testing the grounds of what is acceptable for uh, um, the two of us to be doing, where we're not crossing the line between cheating on our significant others, and it's very fly on the wall and very intimate. But funny, too, and it's kind of like one of those things where, like, if you were in a room with people, like, acting like this, you'd be like, okay, I'm going to give you guys some space. <laughs> I'm going to step out and, like, let you. But it's it's so, like, so well done. Yeah. And, um, and it's one of those also kind of is along the lines of what we're probably going to talk about with Licorice Pizza, where it's very um, kind of just – stream of consciousness and okay. very real to life where it's just kind of going through mm-hmm. different sequences and there's not a super overarching story to it. Okay. But then you look back on it and you realize like, oh, there are a lot of themes and a lot of, and it's, it did cover a lot of ground. Okay. Um, uh, I don't know why that made me, uh, or reminded me, but I watched uh, what, what you had watched last week, uh, Strawberry mm-hmm. uh, Mansion. Is yeah, that what yeah. it's called? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I only bring that up to tell you you were absolutely right. Oh, <laughs> 
That's all. You, the whole time I'm watching it, I could barely pay attention because your description was so on the nose. Yeah. I was like, well, this is what he told me it would be. And so. It only took me two times to watch it yeah. all the way through to figure I that out. I just wanted you to know because of you watching it two times, it only took me five minutes to realize, nope, this is <laughs> this is that. Yeah. So, yeah. It wasn't a bad watch. Just No, it's not great. Yeah. But the worst person in the world, I I did think was really good, okay. and I um, I think I don't know. It probably would have been definitely a runner up for one of the best for the year, and maybe okay. made in my list. I but um, it, it was really good. Okay. So what you been watching? I have been watching a couple of things. One, I went back to the theater and watched Batman a second time. Oh yeah. Which I had told you I was just going to do. Uh, I was going to wait for it to pop up on HBO Max before I watched it again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but somebody else hadn't seen it and. They were going anyway and just wanted to know if I wanted to come. And Yeah. Absolutely. And I am very happy to say it was uh, as strong, if not stronger, my second time. Nice. I, I just – the first time it already felt like a graphic novel to me. The mm-hmm. second time it really just felt like when you pull something like The Dark Knight Returns off a shelf and yeah. read it a second time. And, and you just – it's not that you can take your time more with a movie, but that's what it felt like. It mm-hmm. felt as if I wasn't anxious as to what was going to happen next or, or what the next thing they were going to do or surprise me with. Right. There was no anxiety about, you know, am I going to enjoy this overall? I just, I kind of sank in and mm-hmm. really uh, enjoyed looking at uh, Gotham a little more, mm-hmm. some of the character details, listening to the music a little more closely. Yeah. Um, I I had read somebody saying that the theme is overused in the mm. music. Completely disagree. Yeah, I, yeah. I went in conscious of that, and I think it's used a lot less than some of those people think. Mm-hmm. It's just between Ave Maria, the Nirvana song, and the um, the score. Yeah. It's it's all on the same key, and it almost sounds like it's coming from the 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 same. Um, uh, musician uh, right. or composer, yeah. and so it, it really, uh, for me, it just it made it much more a Batman and Gotham uh, story than it was before. But loved it. The few little things I had mentioned that distracted me the first time through didn't distract me at all. Yeah, and um, I was just I was really pleased with it. So. Yeah. I like the score a lot. I thought that yeah. they did a really good job of kind of like intermingling all mm-hmm. three of those kind of separate ideas. And like the the, the um, composer would kind of play off those themes and mix them in. And I thought it was really cool. I think it's just it's such a distinct and strong theme. Yeah. That it, it does hint at it at different times. But it would be like somebody uh, criticizing Jaws for, for having know, the Jaws right. theme every time the shark shows up. I wonder like if it's that's how scores work, but even then, John Williams uses it in different ways and yeah. has different motifs around it. And I wonder if it's people not like being used to hearing a theme like that anymore because I everything wonder. is so yes. much more ambient and mm-hmm. just like mood. And yeah. and that was a very melodic, like l- like very strong theme yeah. that hasn't been done as much in movies. Yeah. And I wonder if that was why, like because it's so distinct and you can they're not used to that anymore. Well, and it's bouncing between kind of this noir detective yeah. uh, series of themes, especially his and Catwoman's theme is almost not 1940s detective romance. Uh-huh. Uh, it 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 almost feels out of place, but intentionally so. Mm-hmm. 
And it, it really just enhanced everything for me. I, yeah. I just, I don't know. I really enjoyed my second time through. Nice. And uh, I, I look forward to whatever uh, his sequel involves. Yeah, Matt Reeves. Yes. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure it's my favorite version. Yeah. Yeah, I after the second time, hands down, it just it felt the most unapologetic. Yeah, it felt the most cohesive. Mm-hmm. It it felt as if it was just perfectly fine creating this world. Yep, and it it was neither trying to make this a reflection of modern society, justifying how a superhero could exist in a modern society. At the same time, it also you know you don't get the the feeling that there's a superman flying around in this universe either. right and i love yeah. that he said he's like he has no plans to introduce that yep. at all yeah he's like this is it this is it this is the world yep. he's like he, uh, he i think he had, he was saying how like this is hard enough yeah to do like how am i supposed to introduce this whole other part of this world yeah. of the dc universe yeah so yeah. That, that gave me a lot of hope <laughs> uh the second thing i watched i um I, I think it was three episodes out so far but i started into picard season two. Oh yeah and have you watched any of no, it yet i haven't absolutely loving it yeah uh it's it's really it dips into next generation lore mm-hmm. even more it's got uh guinan and, and q and and different uh characters like that but it feels much more um, – I, I, I don't even know how to describe it. It almost feels a little more influenced by Discovery, not because okay. of it being action-packed or anything like that. It's just um, it it feels like it knows exactly where it's going and it needs to go ahead and get there. Mm. Uh, whereas Picard Season 1, it took them, I think, quite a few episodes yeah. to really establish who the characters are, what they're doing. This one just kind of grabs, uh, you know, just jumps right in, and and I'm really, really enjoying it. I, I like the uh, the story, and I always have a blast when Star Trek does time travel. Yeah, um, yeah. And it just they uh, it, it they somehow are making a wise decision with story that allows them to save budget. Mm. At the same time, it doesn't feel like that's what they're doing. <laughs> So I enjoy that. It has a lot of callbacks to some good stuff, but so far, so good. Have you gone through all of this past season of Enterprise? Of I mean, Discovery? Discovery? I mean, not, yet. not yet. Me either. I, I kind of got stuck on it for some reason. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what it was. Yeah, it the the early episodes I was having a hard time with because they were so defined by the pandemic. Yeah. I could just feel... Mm-hmm that something was off and and I don't blame them. I ju- I really just need to sit down and and push through it. Yeah, me too. Um, I just I've been I was having a hard time like really connecting to what what is the mission this yeah. time or what is the mystery that they're like I, I can't really yeah. I and I it might just be a matter of I need to do what you just said and sit down yeah. and just really focus on it. That's what I need to do too. Uh the trailer for Strange New Worlds is up. Uh I'm really excited about that. Mm-hmm. I think Discovery season 2 is still my favorite because of Pike and Spock and I just I really loved what they did with those characters and so I'm looking forward to what they do with that uh series on its own and then they they cast a Kirk as well. So I'm curious. Oh cool. Uh what all they're doing. I don't know in that timeline if he's captain yet or, or what mm-hmm. he's doing but uh should be interesting uh the other thing i watched was uh, i finished raised by wolves season two have you finished this no i think i'm one episode behind okay yeah i am struggling with <laughs> raised by wolves 
I, I'm kind of there with you. Okay. I, I wildly fluctuate between really enjoying yep. it and the next moment I'm like, what is, I don't know what this is. Yep, yep, yep. And I, I'm like, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> I I feel like this is erring on the side of too many mysteries. Yeah. I think a show like this needs to answer as often as it uh, lays out whatever yeah. the next mystery Introduces is. something. And man, season two is just piling things up. Yeah, and not answering anything. And by the end, I, I won't tell you what happens, but at the end, I, I get a sense now of how things are connected mm-hmm. a little more. But still, they're just they're laying so many things down. The last episode doesn't even feel like a series finale. I had to go. I mean, it does. A season finale? Or excuse me, a season finale. It does, but so does every other episode right. in that vein. It didn't feel like it had really wrapped up the story and set up what was going to be. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't put my finger on why, but I immediately went to the internet. I'm like, is this the last episode of the season? Yeah. Because it feels like there should be one more. Mm-hmm. So every episode this season felt like it should have about five more minutes to it. And but the also entire season not. Feels, yes. It's kind of like <laughs> feels way padded out. Yeah. But yeah. at the same time, like you're like, I just uh, there's something missing. Yeah. yeah. And I... I still watch every episode like yep. when it pops up and yep. I'm excited to watch Instantly. it. And but then at the same time I'm watching it and I'm like I don't know what's happening. Yeah. I don't know what I'm supposed to be feeling about anybody. <laughs> and um the only other thing I'll say about it is if you are going to create a flying giant yeah uh, CG snake. serpent. Yeah. Um man the CG needs to be better. Oh yes. That's one of my It's yeah. it's just it's not even decent. No. It's it's really subpar. It's it's almost back when they were doing uh, what was the Sean Connery Dragon movie? Oh yeah. It almost <laughs> feels Heart. like the TV version of like the Hercules yeah. show or yeah. a Xena Warrior yeah. Princess. Uh, it's it the, just they have to be able to do better than that. It's HBO Max. I know. Like I know. The thing that Makes me really excited every time. I love the introduction. Yeah. That is one of the best TV show introductions. The song, the visuals, and it gets me so pumped up for it. And then I settled into it and I'm like, I don't know what's going on, but I'm still going to watch this. Okay. Well, we'll talk about it again probably after you watch the the season finale because I suspect you will have the exact same feeling at the end of it. probably will. (laughs) We're just like, that's – wait, that's that's the season? But uh, Okay. It's it's both season ending and at the same time anticlimactic. Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so I, I recommend it cautiously. Yeah. I, I do really enjoy watching it. I know. Even though I I tend to walk away from episodes not loving this show. Yeah. Uh, and normally that makes me hate a show when it does that to me over and over again. But it just keeps dragging me along, and I guess okay. I know, and I'm I'm usually a lot more willing to just give up on something yeah, than like, but for some reason, there's something about it that is like it's so weird in a yeah. way, like and so like high sci-fi yeah. that it's just like there's not much of this on television. So yeah. I I feel like I need to give it it's my my eyes. I find I really really enjoy the characters. Yeah, even though I'm not enjoying the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and anytime something has put a character in peril, I really want to know more. Uh, and this one, this one has some pretty. This season has some pretty serious body horror mm-hmm. that that I did enjoy and surprised me. The little girl uh, robot. The yes, yes. <laughs> the little girl robot and the woman in the tree and yeah. There's just there's yeah. a lot there where it. That's it, the stuff that really sucks me back yeah. in. Yeah. 
when um, it gets so weird, like yeah. also the creature out of the thing that takes the baby, yeah, like yeah. that whole. I was like, I don't know, what is this? Yeah. This is so Makes crazy. No sense, but uh, yeah, okay, yeah, uh, yeah. So it's it's. I don't know. I yeah. I enjoy the design. Mm-hmm. I, I even the design of the serpent doesn't bother me. It was just the execution. Yeah, and uh, so anyway. Uh, you know, watch it if you're not watching it. The only other thing I watched is a documentary on Amazon called American Anarchist. And it's hmm. about the uh, – in the 1970s, uh, very famously, there was a uh, 19-year-old that wrote something called the Anarchist Cookbook. Uh-huh. And uh, has since been found in the homes of some pretty scary people. Oh, yeah. And this is basically a documentary about the author. He's now, uh, you I know, 50, this. 60 years older. It was it was interesting. Yeah, I, I think is the most I can say about it. It was uncomfortable mm-hmm. because he is both uh, remorseful about it mm-hmm. and at the same time struggling to blame himself for everything that has gone on. And it it felt like the documentary filmmaker really kind of asked the same question a little too much, uh-huh. and is is trying to get him to you know really just yeah I I, I really screwed up guys uh-huh. I, I really. But, you know, this is a guy 50 years later that just, you know, I I did something stupid when I was 19. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I've been judged for it ever since. Mm -hmm. Um, It was just – it was interesting. I think it definitely had more to say than just his life story. And um, it was a well-done documentary. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if it was great. I just – it was was worth watching. I found it very interesting, especially when it would talk about – uh, mankind's kind of attraction to violence mm-hmm. and how that could uh, entice some more, you know, of, of this extreme or mentally unwell mm-hmm. uh, portions of the population. So it was just, it was interesting. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I watched that. If not, it was a, another documentary about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but This I, is, I think, the only interview that this guy has done. He's okay. Been it probably was that then. Pretty, uh, you know, pretty reclusive. Yeah. And he doesn't even live in the U.S. anymore. He Mm -hmm. travels abroad with his wife. And um, really interestingly, he works uh, and has worked uh, helping uh, with teenagers and uh, and developmental disabilities and things like Mm -hmm. that. And really starts to tie in. I don't think it's articulated very well, but towards the end, he really ties in that that this is probably – you know, if you address these problems, then you don't have people right. falling into violence and things mm-hmm. like that. So yeah, it was it was interesting. But that's that's pretty much all I've been watching, other than what we're reviewing today. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. Well, Ken, I want to do a little segment. Oh, okay. And, and it, it, is this going to be a segment with music? Well, it a is. Title? And there's a re- kind of <laughs> the reason I wanted to do this okay. was just for the monstrosity of a, of song that's going to happen before <laughs> this. So I want to do a little segment I'm going to call the Mandalorian trailer trailer moment. <laughs> so it's it's just, I'm going to warn everyone that I'm just going to slap the two songs on top of each other. Okay. And I would like to uh, do that. So okay. theme song now. Let's do it. I want to talk about, have you seen the Obi-Wan Kenobi trailer? I have seen the Obi-Wan Kenobi trailer. So there wasn't just a theme, like I, there was a reason to do this. Okay. So okay. Yeah. I wasn't sure if you were just, you know, high on the. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
So, yeah. Okay. So, so what'd you think of it? I, I love this trailer. Okay. This actually, but now I will also kind of put the caveat that this is the same thing that the Boba Fett trailer did yes. to me. <laughs> um, this is the same thing everything Star Wars yep. does to me. They are very good at making a trailer. Even episode one, let's go clear back mm-hmm. to 99. Even episode one, that's a good trailer. Yeah. And uh, I loved everything that was in this. I loved the tone of it. Mm-hmm. I loved the story. I especially loved uh, this setup of the idea that there are these Jedi hunters that really all they have to do is be patient mm-hmm. and wait for Jedi to just be Jedi. They, they can't themselves. resist. Yeah being good and using the force in that way. And I I love that concept. If this series can capture what that trailer pulled off, because the trailer didn't even go into Vader's in this, uh, played by Hayden Christensen mm-hmm. and, and some other things, it had a very Rogue One uh, feeling to yeah. me. If they can pull that off, which is what we talked about with Boba Fett, I'm all in. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> if this is just an excuse, if there is an episode, Clint, where we're just You're like, say what I'm let's gonna... check in with 10-year-old <laughs> Luke Skywalker for 45 minutes. I'm not going to be happy. Obi-Wan had better never interact with this kid to any significant level. I don't care about Owen. He can, you know, talk with Owen all he wants. Mm-hmm. But I need that moment in A New Hope to be unsullied where Luke knows nothing about this old hermit in the desert. Um, and so— I mean, it's already in the trailer. Isn't— it's there. He sees him. <laughs> yeah. He's watching him. I'm okay with that. Yeah. I'm okay with that. Obi-Wan needs to watch over him. I just, I'm telling you, if Uncle Ben comes down and has uh, dinner with the fam and uh, they have a falling out at the end and that's why Luke doesn't know much about him. I, I, they're going <sighs> to somehow work Grogu into this. They're going to, they're going to do something so, like I had this conversation with my brother when it yeah. came out I was, and we all agreed. They were like, they're going to do something stupid with it, right? It's it's very possible. <laughs> I I want to go on record saying everything your fear. I see the fear yeah. in your eyes. Clint. Like I like the trailer. I the mean, hurt. Yeah, Star Wars is an abusive boyfriend. It is, but and like somehow keep coming you keep back. coming back to it. And I see that you're ready to leave the relationship just a little sooner than I am. But I am. If if they, especially after that trailer, if they Boba Fett the series, I I seriously I'm done. Yeah, I I just I can't take more. Star Wars heartbreak. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I love the trailer. I love what they're doing. And I'm I'm really suddenly excited for it as much as I just did not enjoy Boba Fett as it went on. But what you what do you think of it other than uh deep chilling terror? Well, I was I thought it looked good, but yeah. I have been disappointed so many times yeah. that I just know they're gonna do something stupid yeah. and like I'll be sucked in for the first two episodes or something, and they're like they'll reveal themselves to me, and then I'll be like, oh, of course, here we go. yep, here we go. Okay, this is where it's going. Yeah. I and do I'm like done. that it's going off world. I don't like. I like that it's not staying on Tatooine. Yeah, um, because uh, you know that that promises me more absentee Luke than. Uh, I, I just he's I, gonna I stow away. Of, he's, he's going to stow oh, away. Clint, there's no <laughs> yeah impossible. Yep, and then impossible. he's gonna do some kind of mind trickery on him, and he's gonna forget about it, and it's gonna plant the seeds of him being oh, a Jedi. Oh man, that would really be disappointing. <laughs> really, genuinely disappointing. Oof. I don't know. 
Yeah. Uh, anyway, I'm I'm there for it. I I hope it's good. Yeah. And if it's not, I'm done until the next trailer lures me back in with the promise of, "Don't worry, baby. I won't. I won't. I won't hurt you again." <laughs> All right. Here's some diamonds. Yeah. Here you go. All right. Well, uh, as always, before we jump into the reviews, you can find us on cinebabblecast.com, a nice little simple website if you're ever looking for episodes or things like that. You can also find us on Instagram at Cinebabble, and uh, we do all sorts of things on there uh, so you can interact with us as well. But today we're talking about three movies. We're talking about Paul Thomas Anderson's Licorice Pizza, which we had missed last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was one of the the biggest misses before our top ten of the year, and then uh, we are also doing the Cinetron pick, which is another round with Mads Mikkelsen. And then we were trying to figure out a second movie, uh, and you know what what goes with these two. And there was this little indie horror flick that had come out, and I had read some decent buzz about, but I didn't watch the trailer called The Cursed. And so uh, I shot Clint a text, and, and we're also going to talk about the curse today. Yes, we but are. But first, let's go to Licorice Pizza. Now, Licorice Pizza has a very misleading description here, and it just says, Alana Kane and Gary Valentine grow up, run around, and fall in love in California's San Fernando Valley in the 1970s. This is both accurate and inaccurate, <laughs> because uh, Alana Kane does not grow up, Clint. <laughs> Can I just put that out there at the beginning here? She doesn't grow up? No, she is 25. Oh. Gary Valentine is 15. Yeah. I was unaware of this going into this movie. (laughs) Uh, She has a lot of growing up to do. Sure. At the expense of a minor. Clint, what did you think of Licorice Pizza? By the way, I went and Googled Licorice Pizza. What in the world does this have to do with anything? Uh, and It was it's a record just, store uh, chain. It was, it was a record store chain, and it was a uh, just a, um, you know, a, a vernacular term for records mm-hmm. because it was black like licorice and shaped like pizza. Like, okay. Nice. Uh, so that was a thing in the 1970s. So, Clint, what did you think of Paul Thomas Anderson's latest? I loved it. Okay, I, I knew you would. Yeah, <laughs> tell me why. I loved um, it. Get kind of got back to his like punch drunk love kind of feel, where there's a lot more comedy in it. Mm-hmm. I, I think it really, really captures the '70s very accurately and made me feel like I was there in like in a very like subtle way, where it's not like in your face, like showing you things like to take you back. It's, it's not just, like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. No, it's all in yeah. like just like the subtle, like the clothing and the, the cars are driving by, and there's little moments of history that they're just kind of living through, but not in a flashy way. And I really like that. And I, I was so impressed by the t- the two leads. Really, like mm-hmm. I thought Alana Haim was amazing. Um, it reminded me, me of people who I grew up with. Like she just like so scrappy and like felt like such a realized character. I thought Cooper Hoffman uh, was um, awesome, and as a newcomer too, especially like I mean he hasn't done anything, but um, I mean he has the genes in him for sure. Uh, um, but I I was I loved it. I I um I think it took me a little bit of time to kind of fall into the rhythm of it that this is just kind of a slice of life there's no real overarching story other than just their friendship and the the schemes that they kind of bounce from and, and like businesses they start but i really I, I think movies like that 
capture kind of the reality of life in a, in a better way than something that has a very structured story because that's how life works. Like you don't, there's, you don't know what's going to happen. Like it, it just goes along and, and then you see it at, at, in the rear view and you realize like all these things have happened to us. And I, I really enjoyed it for that. What did you feel about this movie? Clint, when I was a kid, <laughs> I used to love watching Cisco and Ebert. Uh-huh. Right. And and oftentimes Ebert would talk first and they would take turns. But <laughs> in my mind, it's as if every time they reviewed a movie, Ebert would talk first. And uh I, I remember when Ebert would really love a movie mm-hmm. and then Siskel would look at him with this respect and he would nod as if he's agreeing to everything, sort of like I just did with you. <laughs> I love this movie. For about five minutes. Five minutes? Maybe 10. (laughs) Then I struggled with this movie for about a half an hour. And then I hated this movie. I I had such a hard time with Hmm. this movie. It it was one of those movies I was so uncomfortable. I desperately wanted to fast forward at times. Huh. Just uh, the 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 millennials, or maybe it's the Gen Zs, call it cringe. <laughs> this movie was so, as my son would put it, cringe. Mm. I it just it gave me this icky feeling. Hmm. And I will tell you, just right from the beginning, it's the fact that she's twenty five and he's fifteen. And if this was a Rushmore scenario. I'd have been fine with it. But she returns way too much affection, way too much affection. And I was constantly aware of the fact that I'm watching an adult essentially groom this 15-year-old. But, he, but I, she didn't. But she did. And and intentional or unintentional, this movie could have very easily been a 25-year-old and an 18-year-old. It could have been an 18-year-old that lies and says she's 25 with a 15-year-old. Uh, there's there's a million different ways they could have done the age gap uh, and still hit all the themes without putting a decade between a minor and a fully formed adult. But It was also the 70s, though. Clint... <laughs> It's not current day. If Harvey Weinstein taught us anything. And the whole movie is playing with things like that. I know. I I get it. I'm not accusing Paul Thomas Anderson of anything. <laughs> I get what he's doing. It just, it, it lost me early and I could not climb back in the car. Mm. It just, I, oh, I, I so had a hard time with this movie. Now I've, I've, this is not the first movie of his I've had a hard time with. Uh, I have had a hard time with Inherent Vice. Mm. I struggled to like that one, even though I recognize this is a quality flick. I see completely what he's doing and why people love it. And The Master, which I've come to really respect and enjoy. I love that movie. But I know you do. And you <laughs> love that movie from the first time you saw it. Yeah. And it took me a while to even understand uh, what what the appeal of that movie was. Mm. And so I, I have this very... Uh, I, I love Paul Thomas Anderson as a director. I have this very love-hate relationship with his films because mm. sometimes they just really connect with me um, with with very unlikable characters. There will be blood. Uh, and then other times I just – it's like I can't get a, a spot to grip on. He's one of those where I I, I have like a spiritual connection mm. to his films. Like, like they're on the same wavelength of like what I like to yeah. – like I'm just into and I wouldn't – hope that I can just like get a minuscule amount of that into anything that I ever make. I know I, 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 it's 
blasphemous to say, but it's just, uh, there's a connection there. Like I love every single movie and Heron Vice probably is my least favorite and it's not his fault. I think it's just in the subtext of that film or in in like the book and everything. It's just overly complicated in a way. I I get what he's doing in that movie. I get what he's doing in this movie. Um, I, I see why it's on best of lists. I see where it is. I, I'm I'm too simple. Mm-hmm. I am too affected by the likability of characters. And we've talked about this before. I'm I'm too um I'm I'm too put off, even if a story is excellent, if I can't find uh a character to to sort of uh grab onto or to follow or something like that. And it just, uh, whether it was the age or the relationship or the personalities, I just, I struggled with the two main characters, even while recognizing, wow, these two actors are killing it. They're absolutely knocking it out of the park. And uh, the script is really, really strong, even mm-hmm. though I hated every decision it made. Um, <laughs> you know, it's it's not just to bring up a, a worn out joke, but The Beginners was the same way for me, where the whole time I'm watching it, like this is really well written and really really well performed. I hate it. I, 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 hate I just it. really can't just understand that like <laughs> at all. It really boggles my mind when you say that. Because if if something I can recognize the quality of it in that way, like it instantly gets my respect and once I makes me want to dig into it and um understand it more and I don't know. But th- this one I feel like the age gap is a non thing in this one because he is so beyond his years. He's been working since he was a kid as an actor. Yeah. He's so well, like, and uh, he goes after her. Yeah, and, and I get and that. She like is like every advance he makes on her. She's very like good at, at pushing him away. Like, no, we're friends. We're friends until like it, until it, he falls in love with somebody his own age and she gets jealous. Yeah, yeah. Because she realizes there is something there, but she's stunted too. So there's like there's that. there's an overlap there, I and I, I'm not saying it's right, but there it makes sense within the context of the story. I yeah yeah I agree with that. I just don't like it. <laughs> just I I hate these moments because I remember watching movies when I was a kid with my parents, mm-hmm. and this is my dad. My dad would lock onto something and hate a movie. Because he couldn't get past something that he thought was stupid or or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And I remember getting so mad at him when I was a kid because you just don't understand that. And I'll, <laughs> I'll never be this way. I will never simplify a movie like that. And it's it's rare, but every now and then everything works except it just doesn't. And, and it's not even like I shrug my shoulders. I genuinely – came to hate this movie as I'm watching it. Uh-huh. And uh, I, I knew you'd be disappointed in me. That <laughs> look you're giving me, it just, <laughs> I it just hurts my soul. just don't understand. I just I know. don't understand. I, I don't understand it. I wish I could because then maybe I could, uh, you know, get get myself out of it or talk myself out of it when it's happening. I realize as it's happening, oh, this is a movie that's doing that thing. Mm-hmm. And it just it it catches me off guard every time because then I go into analytical mode and I'm like, okay, let's go down the checklist. Script. Nope, script is good. Direction. Direction's amazing. Production design is incredible. Like you said, it's subtle and it it doesn't um I I enjoy and the more I've watched it, once upon a time in Hollywood, mm. but it's a very Quentin Tarantino uh golden glossy 
uh, nostalgic version of, yeah. uh, you know, golden age Hollywood. This feels like a film just taking place in the seventies. It mm-hmm. doesn't, it doesn't go out of its way to draw attention to the fact that it's a period film. It just, it does it really well. Uh, the music, uh, the, it just, just, everything about it works mm-hmm. except my reaction to it. <laughs> I don't know. Hmm. I tried. I really tried for you, Clint. Hmm. I will not be watching this again to try harder. Oh. I just I was really I really uh, wanted to watch it again before we talked about it just because yeah. I wanted it fresh in my mind, but didn't have time. But I, I suspected you would you would enjoy it very much. And I'm so happy for you <laughs> and jealous for you. And I'm sad for you. I know, I know. That's you didn't but you didn't even uh, the age gap thing. Aside, you didn't enjoy the characters either. I I needed it. I I needed her to not return the affection the whole movie. I I needed her to stay Mrs. Cross in Rushmore. Hmm. I needed her to be a rock, Clint, uh, because I just I, that's just what I needed. And if it would have done that, I'd have been fine. I really would have. Uh, but the moment she starts to get jealous or things like that, and even then, um, you know, make a make a plot point where she's jealous, but realizing it has nothing to do with love it just has to do with attention i could have been good there but, but i feel like they do do that well and i i i feel like she is knows it's irrational and she even has that conversation with her sister at one point that like what it's is it dumb of me to hanging out with them and and she's like i think it is dumb can i just say you know who my favorite character in this movie was <laughs> i can guess who bradley cooper no i hate a bradley cooper oh, really? too really yeah <laughs> I mean, you're supposed to. Yeah, but no, he was great. I absolutely love the uh, Japanese restaurant owner. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You, you <laughs> so racist. It was terrible, but I you're the so one, you funny pick out to the, me. You pick out the one thing that's got the biggest controversy around this film and yep. say you love it. Oh, my gosh. It's awful. It's yeah, terrible. Yeah, it's terrible. But it was so uh, intentional and on the nose that yeah. it just – it it was absurd. All that stuff worked for me really well because the entire time I'm he, – he's awful and ridiculous, mm-hmm. but I'm watching his wife. Yeah. And her reaction yep. is perfect. And, how, and she's like, this guy's a buffoon. I know yeah. he's an idiot. And she'll respond in Japanese. Yeah. And you know she's unhappy. Yeah. And I love the second time they bring him back. And like she's like, no, this is my new wife. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, of course. She couldn't put up with him anymore. Yep. And it, yep. I think it was played perfectly. I, I And mean, that's it wasn't it wasn't the base joke that got me. I mean, it made me laugh, but it was that. It was yeah. the 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 clever uh, nod to 1970s racism yeah. and just how it's sort of baked in. Nobody even thinks of it that way mm-hmm. uh, except the poor people who have to suffer it. And uh, so it was just – it was it was little things like that that it well, was it was enjoyable. That's the, the – and I, I think that kind of thing in the movie makes it really strong. Also the um, the guy running for uh, government position, I don't mm-hmm. remember what it was, like, like mayor? It might have been mayor, who is – I mean, the slight spoiler if you haven't seen this, but he's gay. It comes out he's gay, and um, that like so subtly woven into it, like just playing on these things from the time period and and how people are living their lives and kind of working around yeah. these. Um, and see, those things. are the moments I I enjoyed the movie when she walks the boyfriend home mm-hmm. uh, or the ex boyfriend or whatever he is at that point. Um, those were those were sweet moments of of trying to. I didn't feel like they were being too modern 
for the culture. I just felt like they were showing shades of people dealing with yeah. some of some of the difficulties and challenges in culture at that time. Uh, and I, I really enjoyed that. It was it was just when they would share screen time together. I just but the main that's, characters. Like that kind of stuff, that's the central point of the movie between them too. Yeah. So that's the I, central focus, and I, I feel like it's the same situation. I, just, I can think of just tiny little off-ramps at any point <laughs> that would have made me love this movie. Uh, if if they would have just been friends and people are constantly like, it's weird for a 15-year-old and a 25-year-old to be friends. You're right, but they just click. But that's the majority of the movie. I know. <laughs> but, man, he wants it to be romantic, and then when he doesn't, she does. And, like, oh. Anyway, Clint, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Sorry. It's all just more for me to love. <sighs> yeah. You can yeah. love all the Mar- Marvel movies and uh, yep, yep. you can have all those. There you go. Um, <laughs> you know, if, if, yeah, and, I, and I have the same reaction to those where I yeah. just don't know why I don't like them. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm really trying to resist saying, but Tony Stark doesn't you know, try to pick up Shuri. But, you know, whatever. It's cool. It's cool. Adults and kids. He's had a lot of girlfriends. You don't know what he's done. <laughs> Ew. Anyway, our second movie, I don't (laughs) think will divide us. Uh, Our second movie is called The Cursed. And The Cursed is uh, from director Sean Ellis. And it's in 19th century France. A man arrives in a remote country village to investigate an attack by a wild animal. However, he soon discovers a much deeper and sinister force that has the manor and the townspeople in its grip. Clint, uh, The Cursed, it's, it's pretty much a werewolf flick. Uh, sort of, kind of. It was made for four point. Nope, I'm totally wrong. That's just how much it made at the box office. Four point five million. Mm. I don't know that it was made for much more. Clint, what did you think of the cursed? Um, I felt cursed watching this. <laughs> no, it's not that bad. I uh, I oh, was really man. into it for the first like twenty minutes. Yeah. Um, I really, I was like, I didn't watch any. I didn't watch the trailer for this. I didn't yeah. know anything about it. Yeah. You were just like, "Hey, I rented this movie. We're gonna watch it. Let's. We're gonna talk yeah, about it." I knew nothing about it. And I, I was like, in at the beginning, I was so in when it was like the World War One stuff. Yep. And I was like, "Awesome! This is gonna be a World War One um, werewolf movie." Okay, I'm I'm settling in. This will be good. Okay, five minutes in, we're not World War One anymore. We're jumping back, whatever, thirty years or twenty years or whatever it is. And then I was like, I was still okay. Okay, I'm I'm going along with this. And then it turns into it's just a gypsy's curse kind of deal. Yeah. And I, even that, that's the sequence where they're raiding the the gypsy. Is, is that a derogatory term? It it is, <laughs> it, unless you're using it in the context of that's what they call the characters in the film. Okay, even the gypsies refer to themselves as gypsies. Okay. So, um, yes, it's, it's Eastern Romanian nomadic group, kind of Slavic, yeah. you know, um, intermingled when group. they're raiding their camp to take the land back mm-hmm. from them and it just sits back and watches that long this, shot. That was, yeah. I was like, this is amazing. Like, yeah. this is such a great sequence. Yep. Like, I feel like any other movie would be going in watching the gore and I just loved the. And it was it, more horrific that way. Yes. It especially really unsettling. watching all the tents go up and fire and like, I was like, man, they really went for it on yep. this. And then right after that, I am lost on this movie. Yep. And then, uh, and it's like, it's just this curse. And it, but it's also not a curse because it's also transmitted through blood, apparently. And uh, so I wasn't in this movie. What do you think? 
I, I am so right there with you. Okay. This movie really had me Yeah, right up until after that attack. And there's even after that attack, there's a dream sequence from one of the kids with yeah. the, the kind of uh, human scarecrow. Mm-hmm. Loved the first one of those. Yeah. Um, and and then it, I think the scene, and it's weird to have a movie where I can identify the exact scene where it loses me, uh-huh. is when the kids go, they all realize. And they fall for a 25-year-old. <laughs> yeah. Surprise! Uh, then we go from World War One to the seventies. Uh, no, uh, when they all go to the Scarecrow, yeah, and they I, realize me, me they've too. all had the same dream. That's the scene. Yep, me too. That lost me. Yep, and that could have been the scene that really locked it in and made it something amazing. Um, even with what they do, but it just—that's when I started to feel the execution problems. Yep, and then in retrospect, I knew. Why it opened in World War One? I. I mean, I I could basically paint the whole movie uh, from from that point forward. It lost all sense of mystery mm-hmm. and and intrigue. I knew exactly what was going to happen. I even like um, Boyd Hallbrook's uh, character. Um, he has kind of a Van Helsing feel, but a little more real world than that. Yeah, and I liked what they were trying to do there. I, I don't think he was the right actor for that. I don't think it was a strong enough written part. Yeah. Um, there's just there's there's a lot there that didn't work. And this movie just constantly felt very poorly edited to me. It felt mm-hmm. like a movie that had a half an hour cut out of it. Yeah. Where there were some interconnective scenes because it would just suddenly uh, at one point, I mean the most glaring uh, the girl, uh, the main character is crying and bidding farewell to dear Nana and Papa. And I'm like, <laughs> there were grandparents in this? Where did I miss the grandparents? She's really sad about the grandparents yeah, leaving. Yeah. And it just, like, I didn't even know these people existed mm-hmm. in the movie. And suddenly they're leaving town on a carriage. And then I'm supposed to care later when we find that carriage. And I guess they're dead. Right. I don't know. I didn't even know she had grandparents in town. And so it just. There were some very strange um, decisions, and and uh, there there was one sequence later on that I really loved what they were doing, and it was one of the few times they went more practical with the effects because the CG creature is is not good. No, it's pretty bad. Uh, when it's on the table and they yeah. they cut it open, and what happens there was very. 1980s thing to me. Yeah. Clearly inspired, but I love that they did it mostly practical. I love the concept of it. That was a it was a interesting concept, but that feeling, everything I just described, yeah, suddenly evaporates very quickly in the middle of that scene as it progresses. Uh and there's it there's, was it the reveal? Shortly after the reveal. Okay. The reveal, I like the idea of it. Yeah. I like the idea of you know, sort of this this creature cocooning uh, its host. Mm-hmm. I, I thought that was a really interesting idea. But then after the idea hit, now I'm watching the execution of it. Here we go back to execution. And I'm watching what the characters are doing. I'm watching the the effects. I'm seeing the CG around the practical. And yeah, it's yeah. very distinct the, like, from each other. things yep. and everything. Yep. And um, it just, it, you know, here again, it's it's there's your hook. And it, it kind of lost me. Uh, I just I couldn't get a like I had a hard time getting a grasp of exactly what the creature was because it's at yeah. the one point like it's at one level it's a werewolf movie but the other it's not it's just 
it's some other thing because it doesn't really look like a werewolf. Other, It's like a fleshy, kind of one of those cats that's hairless. Yeah. And so I, I wasn't into the design. I wasn't scared yeah. by it. And then I... I was just completely lost in moments because of the um, pacing of the film. Yeah. So, and I might have been too tired to watch it, but I was just kind of like zoning in and out of like, because there'd be long sequences of just like exposition, dialogue, trying to like explain like what's exactly going on. And then there'd be an intense action scene that even in those action scenes, I wasn't scared by them yeah. at all. So I just, did, they would lose me in those moments. It was It was well shot. Uh, for for what it is, it's one of those things where I hate to put intention into words about about what filmmakers were thinking, but I really felt like this is a a filmmaker who watched The Witch and said, "I can do that with werewolves." Yeah, and went into it with with some style and some tone that might have worked, but just didn't have the uh, the script to back it up, mm-hmm. and and things sort of fell away because it didn't have a strong foundation there. I really wish that it was even like kind of like the witch was more bare bones and that like it wasn't this curse like that's <laughs> passed along to other people in that sense like another like other werewolf movies but it was like I like the idea of this gypsy's curse on these teeth yeah and like if one kid had found them yeah or one person found them and then they get cursed with it and they're stuck with this thing and then it's the family trying to bring them back and yeah. and like the whole cocoon idea is kind of cool and like there's little moments of a really cool idea but it's just like like you said the execution just never pulls it completely off and well I, and then even the boyd hallbrook character to have him where he's experienced this before yeah, I I liked when he was a pathologist, uh, you know, nineteenth uh, century pathologist or, or early twentieth century pathologist, whatever, coming into and encountering this, you know, as a as a first thing. Um, right, but, right. But as soon as he's been following this thing and blah 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 blah, it just. So yeah. are we for the massacre of these gypsies or are we against the massacre of these gypsies? I'm really yeah, confused. I, I read a re- like a review that said that exact same really? thing. And okay. I was like, yeah, I, I felt the same thing. It's just I just couldn't track it. Uh, usually when you have the um, uh, Drag Me to Hell by Sam Raimi mm-hmm. it has that same, it's, it's the old gypsy curse setup. Yeah. Um, but... <sighs> You can you can track the morality of it. This mm-hmm. was strange because it wasn't going after the people who had committed the act. It was right. going after their kids. Yeah, and so it, it wasn't like the kids stuck in the middle of this or or kind of being collateral damage. It was like no, it, it directly goes after them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just even little things like that felt very very strange. Maybe it's a cutting off the bloodline kind of thing no, no next generation to do the same thing uh, maybe uh, but again uh then you know these these sweet people that just had a legitimate claim on your land were actually evil devil worshipers and should have been massacred right kind right. of is the yeah the implication and yeah it just thematically it gets messy from the from the get-go yeah so I kept like wandering off in my mind during this film <laughs> okay. and I would get into find my play myself in like in a place where I'm like wondering about like or 
like picturing myself in a situation like I, I one point in my life I would really like to be in a situation where I have to dig a big pit <laughs> and put wooden spikes in it. And so I kept thinking about like that one sequence in the movie. And I'm yeah. like, man, like that looks really satisfying to do. Like I hope one day I have something to is hunting me. So yeah, that I, can I, I need to go into the woods. I need to dig a pit and I need to put spikes down there and cover it up. Mm. Um, so that I was thinking about that during this. And I was also like, I would really like to have a reason to carry around a flaming torch. But preferably with other people. Yeah, like cleaning them. Yeah, yeah. And I really was like, man, that looks fun and I would really like to do that. So I just kept wandering off in my mind during this (laughs) film, like thinking about those kind of situations. Uh, My son watched this with me and my son now is 17. He loved this movie. Uh, And and I think at 16 or 17, I would have loved this movie. Yeah. I would have been enamored with the gore and the suspense. It, it, It did suspense and tension pretty well, atmospheric tension. Uh, you know, if you haven't seen things that have done it better. Mm. And um, I I do wish this was a movie I had watched when I was younger. I think I would have enjoyed it. I think the more horror movies you've seen, the less effective this movie is Mm -hmm. because it it really is a collection of of tropes and cliches and and things that I – as I was watching it, my mind kept wandering off to all the movies I've seen yeah. that would have already done that particular scene or or tone or whatever better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was just completely distracting to me. But my son loved it. And so I kept my mouth shut and just enjoyed it for what it was with him <laughs> while in my mind being like, Oof, kid, when you're 40, you're going to hate this movie. But maybe not. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe it's not. It's shining. Maybe, oof, Clint, no, but maybe. I hope Dr. Sleep is his shining. He really liked Dr. Sleep. All right, so uh, that's The Cursed. So Licorice Pizza, uh, definitely one to recommend, uh, despite my hang-ups, which are clearly childish, and I'm just failing. Uh, But The Cursed, we we both agree, (laughs) is, uh, oof. If if it's your first time to a werewolf movie, go for it. You you'll probably enjoy it, but it's not even enough of a werewolf movie. <sighs> no, it's it not doesn't really have a any of the, the fun stuff of a werewolf movie. It doesn't yeah. have any of that really. Yeah. You don't even get to see a, a good transformation really. No. So yeah, uh, our third movie is our Cinetron pick from several weeks ago. It is another round, and this stars Mads Mikkelsen. And it's about four high school teachers who consume alcohol on a daily basis to see how it affects their social and professional lives. And what that doesn't really explain is that they're they're talking about it one night just philosophically. Does alcohol improve or detract from somebody's life? And, and they set out to um, basically create a, a scientific experiment, mm-hmm. kind of an informal experiment around this. And uh, it, it goes in unexpected ways. Clint, what did you think about Another Round? I really like this movie. Yeah. I thought it was really good. I really love the central focus of these four friends. Mm-hmm. Like, you, there's not very many films I can say where it really captures kind of like a male friendship between four guys in a very kind of intimate way like that, and it feels real. Like, it, they feel like they've been friends for yeah, a while. Yeah. Yeah, yeah not, and not it's not like in a cartoonish kind of like bro way. It's like these guys are adults who have adult jobs and they're friends and they're intelligent. They're, they're intelligent. Career driven. They're uh, you know they have interesting conversations. Yeah, and, and I like the the idea of um, 
it being kind of this scientific study mm -hmm. rather than like they have been like I, they're casual drinkers, but they're like it's not something that they're fixated on in their lives. But they're they're thinking like oh like we could maybe this could be a beneficial thing that we can um, yeah. investigate. Yeah, they weren't man children. Another yeah. movie would have you know it would have been uh, like, what if we could do this all the time? Oh, Adam yeah. Sandler and yeah. and David Spade and Will Ferrell and American sure remake. Funny American there remake. Uh, but yeah, I totally agree with you there. Yeah, and I thought the cast was really strong and the subtle comedy to it. Like, it felt like real-life comedy. I love <laughs> – I really love the um, the coach character who is, like, befriending <laughs> yeah. the little boy with glasses and and how all that plays out. It, yeah. it felt very, like – I feel like Will Ferrell would be that role, like, yeah. from Kicking and Screaming or whatever that movie yeah. was a long time ago. Like, uh so there was moments of comedy that I really enjoyed. So what did you think of it? It's been – we had just talked in our 50th episode about genres that needed repair. Yeah. And I I hadn't even considered it because it's been so long since I've watched a dark comedy. Mm -hmm. And this is this is dark comedy, but yeah. it's a dark comedy done well. Yeah. In the 90s and the early 2000s, dark comedies became this thing of almost grotesque characters. Right, right. And we've talked about that before with Jim Carrey or, mm -hmm. you know, I always, my brain always goes to the cable guy, which people loved, but I just, it, you know, the main character in that is so grotesque and mm -hmm. the dark comedy is so intentional that it, it doesn't work for me. This is a dark comedy, I think, that does it really well because it's not trying to be dark. Right. It's a comedy and it's dealing with themes that that go darker, mm -hmm. and it stays a comedy when things go darker. And so it is a dark comedy, but it's it's done with such um, just precision and 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 kind of maturity yeah. to it. And I I really appreciated that. I love how many different cycles this movie goes through because mm -hmm. at first they sort of uh, like oh this is this is improving our lives, and. Yep. You're watching, and they're genuinely funny things or things you enjoy watching. But at the same time, in the back of your mind, you have the knowledge that, yeah, but this isn't how alcohol works. And consuming alcohol at these levels right, right. cannot, even if it Can, for you a can't temporary, keep this up. yeah, it yeah. can't sustain itself. Yeah. And so there's this sense of dread in the back of your mind, and that interplay of comedy and dread, and, and the inevitability mm -hmm. of what's going to happen, and, and it does go darker than I thought it was going to go. Yeah, uh, it goes to a sadder place than I thought it was going to. But even that, I know the the way that these friends come out of that sad that sadness towards mm -hmm. the end in that third act was so like borderline profound to me. Yeah. Not because it says anything about, you know, something really direct about the human condition. It was just the idea that the, that these relationships were so well formed, uh, you know, in, in the execution of this film that as I'm watching it, I really like these guys and yeah. I really enjoy their friendship mm -hmm. and I don't want to see the inevitable happen. I know. And I, I really enjoyed where it goes with the darkness of it yeah. because it really plays into the, um, the subject that they're playing with, with the alcohol and like, then they're being able to investigate, oh, this is what that it could potentially do, and this is what it could potentially do, and it's not always going to be um, joyous, and it can go it can go dark, and yeah. um, 
Well, it's the it hubris really... of, of playing with substance. Yeah. And you're you're playing with chemicals that do certain things to your brain, and there's there's a level of unpredictability there. Mm-hmm. And especially when you're dealing with something that you know can produce alcoholism and and uh, loss of control or inhibition or or whatever it is. And so I just this felt very organic from start to finish. I I felt uh, very much like it was a slice of life mm-hmm. sort of dark comedy, um, which I I don't know that I've seen a slice of life dark comedy. Uh, in a, and I probably have. It just it it's not coming to me, but. I, I found myself really appreciating this movie. Um, the worst person in the world kind of would go really mm-hmm. well with this film. It, it, it goes dark at one yeah. point. In it, but um, I I really – I think that where it goes dark in this too, I have kind of a little theory on that character in – um, a little bit, a little spoiler, spoiler here. Okay, spoiler. Okay, the the one, the coach mm-hmm. character, he passes away. Yeah. Um, but I I feel like he may have had a problem with alcohol beforehand. I had that same sense. Now, not initially, mm-hmm. but as it went along. Me too. And it, look, when they find all the bottles, like yeah. I feel like maybe he had a problem before and just and, didn't say. And anything. And then he had a reason to justify it because they're doing this thing, yeah. and then it pushed him over the edge. Yeah. And and he couldn't come back from it. Yeah. Well, and and that made it sadder because in in my mental version of it, not that it was on the screen necessarily, but he had fought his way out of it yeah. and grown up, and and he had escaped it and yeah. survived it, whatever it was, and then it just so easily drew him back in, and that really played into the idea of alcoholics are always alcoholics. It's never gone. Right, right. It's it's something they can suppress and and control, mm-hmm. but it, it's much easier for them to slip right back in and to a more extreme level. Mm-hmm. And so that was another thing I really appreciate about this film. I I feel like it's it's trusting you as the audience mm-hmm. to understand things like that. Yeah, and it doesn't have to spell things out. It can really just deal with uh, people and and how people are affected by outside influences and substance and and things like that and how one person can be perfectly fine and walk away another person can have struggle and walk away another person can struggle and really just find themselves sliding in and and it's this russian roulette of you don't know what you're going to be exactly yeah. until it happens yeah um and i i thought this played with that very well mm-hmm. i told you i i really hate movies about alcoholics mm-hmm. um because it just always feels like I'm watching somebody be self-destructive. And this took away from that because I don't feel like I was watching people trying to be self-destructive. Mm-hmm. They accidentally became self-destructive and then had to make a conscious choice as to whether to walk away from that or or to start going into that direction. Well, I really enjoyed that. It was just a device to kind of reinvigorate like self-confidence yeah. and and like find something you lost in yourself, yeah. like it, to loosen yourself up. It wasn't a thing to suppress your pain. It was a thing to try to like re- get re-in-touched with something you yeah. you had. Um, so that was, I thought, really interesting. And I also, man, I don't think since like, the movie Whiplash. Mm-hmm. I think this is one of the best endings. Yeah. Like that whole is like on another like kind of like it's a spiritual level to the yep. end of this film. Like it's so beautifully done, yeah. and like I could watch Mads Mikkelsen dance <laughs> yep. for uh, probably an hour straight. Like that yeah. that whole sequence is so beautiful. Well, and not just the dance, but 
but what that represents. Yeah, exactly. And, and what right. has been commented on that beforehand. Mm-hmm. And um, it's it's almost the idea. I mean, the experiment is what allowed them to realize these things. But it's almost the idea that that was just the catalyst for him to have some really important life realizations. It yeah. doesn't mean that what happened because of all that was good. Yes. It just means that when we experience things that are bad, even things of our own making, we have a choice at, at any given moment to grow from that and learn from that. And that's what felt so human about this right. movie. Not to overstate it, but it yeah. just it really felt like it was dealing much more with that. Mm-hmm. And that's what I appreciated because so many of these movies are about the downhill slide rather than uh, you know, the the growth mm-hmm. that comes out of those moments of whatever they are yeah. that comes out of those downhill slides. Because really, you either continue sliding down and you just live and survive in this valley, or you find ways to pick yourself up and grow as a person and, and come out of these things. Yeah, which they do investigate uh, which, with like that yep. one character. Um, yeah. it's They really kind of touch on every base of yeah. what it could be. Well, and that's having these four friends. You really see four mm-hmm. different levels of, of what's happening here. Yeah, and kind of different points in their life because they're all kind of slightly different ages. Like yeah. um, like the character who has a younger, younger kids yeah. and how it would affect you at that yeah. age and – yeah, it yeah. was it was cool. I if if I would have seen this, this this would have definitely been in my top ten of. Yeah. I think it came out in twenty twenty. Uh, not that yeah. we were distracted by anything then, but <laughs> this this definitely would have been in my kind of best of that year. Um, I was a little sad that that I hadn't caught it, although. Maybe it was better I didn't watch it in 2020 because I might have taken the wrong <laughs> lesson from like just drown your sorrows and you know, whatever. I don't know. Ken's a horrible alcoholic. I don't know. I that's you know the the reason I've never drank isn't some big moral thing. It's because I'm pretty sure I'd be like a Hemingway angry <laughs> author drunk. I just it terrifies me. No, no. Just I, pretend. I know that part of me exists. Yeah. And I just feel like alcohol would bring it out and like, no, thank you. Yeah. I will keep that werewolf locked in the closet. <laughs> See what I did there? Right. Hairless. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so licorice pizza, definitely watch unless uh, you were like me. I'm sorry. Uh, Clint loved it. You should listen to him. I hated it, but what do I know? It's uh, one man's opinion. Yeah. The the cursed, which literally it's one man's opinion because everybody else says this movie is incredible. Uh, the cursed, uh, you know, if you're young and haven't experienced a horror movie, go for it. <laughs> you want all the horror movies at once? You, if kind you of? want, yes, yes, you want kind of a, a catch all. You yeah. just want to get them all at once with some bad CG. The cursed, yeah. Um, you know, it it had some good ideas, but poor execution. And then uh, another round, which is I I think an excellent film, and uh, I I wish I had seen it sooner. I I have a feeling I'll be revisiting this again, and I will probably do uh, a double feature with this and uh, Riders Riders of Justice. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, a good which is combo. also about uh, Mads Mikkelsen and making friends. friends. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, all right. So I think it's time for Ye old Cinetron. Let's see what it spins up this week. Something tasty, I hope. Ooh.
Oh, I've been wanting to see this one, Ken. That sounded very scripted. Oh, <laughs> I've been wanting to see this one, Ken. It was written down right here for me okay. to respond like that. <laughs> um, Escape from Pretoria. Escape from Pretoria. Yeah. It's got... Um, Is that our, Daniel Radcliffe? Yes, Daniel Radcliffe. What's it about? It's uh, about them escaping from a prison, I believe. Yeah. yeah. Called Pretoria? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I I have such vague... Uh, knowledge of this movie. I knew it had Daniel Radcliffe and I know it's been well reviewed. So, um I'm I'm all about it. I I like him as an actor. Me too. He's um he's much stronger I think than than people give him credit for it now. He had a much better role with Harry Potter that got him a little more clout I think than like Robert Pattinson with uh, <laughs> Edward from Twilight, which I feel like he's constantly trying to dig out of of people just kind of thinking that's all he is, whereas Daniel Radcliffe is is just sort of digging out of a childhood role that you know he's actively showing he's he's better than. So, uh, okay, yeah, two, that yeah, sounds two good. white South Africans imprisoned for working on behalf of the African National Congress are deter- determined to escape from the notorious Pretoria prison. Okay, all right, awesome. I watched something with Daniel Radcliffe. What was that last year? It was also dark and dramatic, and he was. A cop or a, I don't know. I'll have to figure out what that was because he was really good in that too. It was based on true story. Okay. Maybe he was a journalist. I don't know. It was something with crime. <laughs> it, made a, it made a mark on you, crime. I can tell. Oh, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> definitely memorable. It was um, just not coming to if me. If you want to see him in a very comedic, uh, fun show, call, watch uh, Miracle Workers. It's very enjoyable. Yeah. I I also uh, it's been making the rounds the last two weeks, but there is this uh, small but vocal group on the interwebs that really want Daniel Radcliffe to be cast as the MCU's new Wolverine, <laughs> and I cannot see it. Yeah, I, and and I get it. He's he's a shorter guy, um, but uh, I think Boss Logic and some other ones have even done some some art. Of him as Wolverine, I'm he like, looks good with some mutton chops. Yeah, but but no, not I, he just mm, no. And he's pretty. He's pretty built. He's he's a little Maybe. little tough little guy. Maybe he may want to be able to do it. I, I don't know. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I am I am very very curious as to who they start casting as some of these characters that have been played by Hugh Jackman and and Patrick Stewart and and the X Men. We'll we'll see where that goes. I think that's going to get. Probably um, a little more intense than than the Spider-Man casting, just because there's so many different characters that yeah. people have associated with very specific actors. But I think people forget too that that this is now almost 20 years uh, ago that that they started to be cast in those roles. So. And those movies aren't that great anyway. They're not. <laughs> X2 is about as good as it gets. And even then, when you go back and watch it, yeah, uh, it's it's very clunky in spots mm-hmm. and very kind of proto superhero movie. Yeah. And uh you really you really start to feel it when you go back and watch it. So I don't know. We'll see. Mm. I don't know. All right. We'll so see. Escape from Pretoria, you're gonna have to remind me of that at least four times by text because I guarantee I will text and say, what movie are we supposed to be watching? You're gonna keep trying to watch the great escape. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been Cinebabble episode 51. Hope you enjoyed it. As always, you can find us at cinebabblecast.com or at Cinebabble on Instagram. Uh, You can connect with us in either place. Starting next week, we're going to start to answer one or two of your questions each week. 
because uh, I already got uh, a new pile growing, hmm. and some of them are really good. So uh, we'll we'll try to answer one or two of those as we go when we don't have a Mandalorian trailer trailer minute. <laughs> to... <laughs> I don't see that happening too often, no. but. I, I had completely forgotten. As much as I love the Obi-Wan trailer, I had completely forgotten it existed because part of my heart is just trying to warn me. Yeah. It, it's don't don't you do it. Don't you fall. <laughs> don't don't do it. Don't do it. But the other part of my heart Luke's is like stow away, I'm but telling it's you. Star Wars. No, he's not. He's going Clint, to. Yeah. That would be awful. Yeah. Awful. Don't put it fast awful. though. It can we do something though? If the Kenobi series is really good. Can we just take uh, you know, like a segment in an episode and talk about how it could have gone horribly wrong? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to do that if it actually goes horribly wrong. I just want to walk away and just not think about it. But if it's really good, I want to talk about all the ways it could have been bad. Okay. It could be fun. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, this has been Cinebabble episode 51. We will see you again for episode 52, unless the Batman sequel comes out sooner. Uh, in which case, uh, we'll, we'll talk about it then. Do you think they're just going to drop it? Just drop it. <laughs> it's already been so delayed. They're just like, oh, we've been totally yeah, we sitting made on the that. sequel. We're over it. It's already here. Yeah. Do you know they already made – I'm sorry. I keep trying to end this episode. Do you know they already made Picard season three? No. Yeah. They went ahead and shot the whole thing, huh. which makes total sense because Patrick yeah. Stewart is – is pretty yeah. up there, and they had set out to make it a three-season show oh, anyway. Really? Oh, okay. um, so not that they couldn't do a season four, but I think they've been pretty clear that the story they want to tell is three seasons. Mm. And so I thought it was cool there. They just went ahead and shot it. And yeah, that's good. Good for them. Yeah. So, And then uh, uh, Better Call Saul season six, the last, comes uh, at the end of April as well. Sure, we will talk about that. So anyway, uh, before I think of something else to talk about, Cinebabble episode 51, I will see you later, Clint. Bye, Ken. Bye, Clint. <laughs> <laughs>